Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yes, g'day, Backchat Europe, hello, welcome, we are here in Amsterdam, 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 somewhere there, Backchat Europe brought to you by KO Sports, StreetX, Whippersnapper, Shelter, Margaret River Roasting Co., Bluebet, Leadable Cameras, Dean Bradley Real Estate, F1 teams would honestly love to have the sponsors we have and we're bloody, we're bloody we have, lucky we have you and we love you, we are here with the great man, Michael Italiano, how are you mate? Hey, mate, how are you doing? Did you like Michael, that sponsor list or what? You guys are connected, eh? <laughs> yeah. I did write them all down. I was like, there is quite a few on that list, but they help us bring this beautiful podcast to the people. We want to get straight into it, mate. Um, I'll give you a big intro. You know, Tell everyone what you've done and who you look after and how you've built your way you know, from where you were in Perth to business and you're, you're within the F1 scene now. That's great, but we are here to tell you very first up, the first question we ask every guest. I'm here to tell you, that all doesn't matter, mate. Yeah, we don't okay? care. You're a big we deal. actually don't care. Yeah, you're a big deal. You've been on Netflix. Okay, cool. Oh. <laughs> right, right. We want to know your greatest sporting achievement, not in your field of choice. So you can't say, oh, okay, we won a race together, Daniel and I. That's that. You can't mm. use your sport of choice. You need to give us okay. your greatest sporting moment, not on the F1 track. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, you've seen this. I mean, we do yeah. we do have the title, but you know, Dan's brought the trophy all the way from yeah. Perth. The under 12s, 5 for 16, Marangaroo, no, it wasn't. Leg spinners, Chew Hill, Chew Hill. Hill Lions. Yeah, you know what? I don't even think a lot of my friends know I played one season of cricket. I, played, I played for a, a team called Greenwood, and I think I was under, I was 17 at the time. I played one season. We, we won the premiership. Uh, left hand, I was left, left hand paceman. Yeah. Probably medium pace. It wasn't too quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Got four for eleven. Not as good as yours. Yeah. And was that in a was that in the grand final? Or? It wasn't. It uh, wasn't. It was. It was just a, during a normal game. But yeah, four, yep. four for eleven. Um, I think part of that eleven, it was actually four for five, and then the guy put me over the grandstand into the car park. So <laughs> those those figures were a lot better before that. Uh, did, did you did you listen to him? He said Premiership player. You, yeah. you, you did not win the grand final. No, we didn't. We lost that game. Did you? Yeah, well, obviously, not you lost that fault. game. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. I did it like who? Jesus. Yeah, I know. All right, but you played for Greenwood, so you know we had a good team. Mm. Yeah, good. All right, all right. It's pretty good. That is we'll take good. it. Four for eleven. No five for sixteen, but we like it. I was state under nine uh, eighty meter hurdles champion. 
That's pretty really? good. Really? Actually, I heard you were a very good runner. Yes. DR told me your 400 meter time, and I was very impressed. How does he know my 400 meter time? To a point, you tell where, everyone. To a point, I didn't believe it. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, what? I need to approach him about this. It's like, hey, hey, Dan, how you going? No, you're racing from McLaren now, but I just wanted to let you know, um, I'm a very quick 400 meter runner. I'm pretty sure that conversation went. So, mate, um, we do want to speak about all things F1. You're an F1 performance coach is that if you if you had a if you had a letterhead is that what it's, is that what's on it spot on right so f1 performance coach but you don't come out of uni or you don't come out of school yeah. and walk into the f1 right so how does it all start you're a perth boy yeah like what what's i mean we don't have time for your full life story but <laughs> but growing up in perth where'd you go to school how'd you come out and yeah what, what did you want to do with your life when you finished yeah t- to be honest like my intentions weren't to, to work in Formula One. So it's a, like a quick answer is it was, you know, by chance, right place, right time, bit of luck. But my dad always tells me you, you create your own luck. Um, yeah, life. I, I went, <laughs> that, that's good. Yeah, thanks, Dad. True. Good. Um, I went to Servite College. So growing up, I, whoa, you gave me a surprise face. So there. did I. What? <laughs> yeah, I went to Servite College. Really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to mold back into the couch. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, went to Servat College, um, started studying civil structure engineering, uh, realized after seven years that was pretty boring for me. Um, I was just over like working in an office nine to five. Um, very active guy. I love like being out outdoors and, and doing things. So I uh, decided to pursue a passion and that was health and fitness. So I started like doing my online um, education through coaching and, and health and fitness and became an SNC coach. I uh, started coaching some athletes in Perth. So I was probably, yeah, re- renting out a, a gym space in Floriot, um, training like a, a whole bunch of athletes. And then by the end of 2017, I randomly got a message from Daniel, who I knew prior, by the way. He didn't, he didn't just look... Hear about the great Michael Tellier. <laughs> he didn't just look me up on LinkedIn and then <laughs> send me a DM. Uh, and he offered me a job, um, which was very surprising. Like I, it wasn't expected. We never spoke about like ever working together from a professional standpoint. So it was uh, very surprising, something that I had to consider. And uh, we came to, to a mutual agreement uh, at the end of 2017. So I had like four weeks to pack up my life in Perth and, and move to Europe. And uh, so I had to, it, was a, it, was, it was quite a big blur, mate. Like so it's sort of like, I mean, were you an F1 fan? Did you know anything about the, the sport? No. So <laughs> all I knew is that Daniel was driving an F1. So uh, I had like, it was pretty funny for like Christmas because it was during Christmas time when I got, I got officially the job. So for Christmas, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my girlfriend got me like the history of an F1 book and my, <laughs> my, other, my parents got me like another F1 book. So here I am like going back to school essentially trying to learn about motorsport because I never trained a motorsport athlete before and yeah. there's not much literature out there how to. So uh, yeah, 2018 was a bit of a blur. There was a lot of catching up and like being a bit of a sponge and like absorbing everything because in my head, how I thought I'd have to train him was just completely different to actually when I got stuck into the thick of things. And for me, I don't think you could ever prepare for that for that job. I literally walked into the paddock race one in Melbourne and it was just mayhem. Like I didn't realize the capacity of oh, how famous Australian F1. how famous Daniel was. It was the first year Netflix came on board. So we had double the amount of cameras so i'm just i'm looking around and daniel could see those i was quite a stargaze by everything and he just like he's like yeah don't worry it's not always like this but it definitely was every every week so uh yeah it was like i got thrown the deep end but it was a it it was an enjoyable experience like it, it kept me it kept me motivated just to keep pushing and try and you know i guess catch up on 
where I should be as a coach. What's that like walking into the paddock for the first time, being on the grid? I mean, we've been experiencing these things over here, yeah. went to Belgium, now here in uh, Amsterdam. Like, uh, do, you, do you remember that stuff? Like the first of things, yeah. you know, the first race the first, or the first practice? 100%. I remember rocking up. We were with Red Bull at the time in 2018. So they were partnered with Aston Martin. So we had an Aston Martin and, uh, you know, I've never really driven a sports car. So Daniel was like, yeah, cool. Can, can you drive me to the track? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> um, so, uh, I was, I was, I was definitely, uh, like responsible in the car. I wouldn't, don't, don't trust uh, Australian roads. So I was, I was responsible to get into the track. And uh, I remember just parking up and no exaggeration. There's about 15 cameras just waiting. And like, for me, that's not normal for Daniel. It is. So, yeah, I do definitely recall that first weekend of just, I guess, trying to stay focused because there was so many distractions <laughs> to a point where like there's cameras in your face. Then we had like Netflix being like, hey, man, can we like just stick a mic under your collar and you just wear it all day? Yeah. And I'm like, man, I've had no media training. Like it's my first time on a track. <laughs> like, and it was just, yeah, I got thrown real big time in the deep end. And like to Daniel's credit, he was he was quite chill about it. And like he like helped me and guided me and, and like kind of like showed me the way a bit and uh, a lot of the Red Bull employees also helped me because they could obviously see that I was a bit lost. What's going on? And <laughs> like, even like how the timetable works, like yeah. even like Daniel from his preparation perspective, he had his set ways. Yes. So like I still had to like mold into that. Yeah. So there was just so much to consider with so much going on. Well, it's not something you can read in your uh, uh, dummy's guide to F1 that <laughs> yeah. your partner got you for Christmas, right? Like yeah. how to... Um, I don't know how do you get from the driver's facility to the pit lane or like yeah. like where's the media stuff fit in or there's been like just from an observation point of view from from us for our first time like there's just so much going on that when I was sitting down preparing to you know, chat to you about it all I was thinking like how the, how the f- have you actually figured this out like did you feel like you were just f- flying around making it up as you went yeah and I made and a lot- still doing that yeah, <laughs> still <laughs> I, yeah I, I made a ton of mistakes um Sunday race day for instance uh, in Australia first race uh as you as you, you can you know like they do a formation lap and after the formation lap they usually go back into the garage have a bit of a chat to their, their start engineers and then they walk back to the national anthem right I didn't know that you needed to bring your f1 pass with you so Daniel was gone and walked and you know walked to the national anthem and I've got his helmet and everything and I'm, I'm walking through and the security guy's like put his hand on my chest he's like sorry mate and I'm like what do you mean like, I'm, I'm Daniel's coach I've got his helmet he's like you don't have your pass on oh, boy. and I was like oh I didn't know I needed my pass and he, I was like come on man like look I've got his helmet like it's not a fake like wouldn't let me into the, wouldn't let me on the grid wow. so I literally just had to like drop the stuff and like run back to hospitality get my pass so that was quite embarrassing and I was just like okay yep I was looking around for his helmet yeah yeah in the car without his helmet so yeah I, I learned from mistakes to answer your question what's what's the transition like from okay so you're, you're a uh, SNC coach in Perth yeah um, you're looking after I don't know clients not just one client and then to go into a space where you're looking after one athlete like one person is that is that a transition that you found difficult uh, challenges good parts about it because yeah. that's different right yeah it, it is and like when you say it, it sounds easy. Like you think, oh wow, you're going from 40 to 50 clients, which I had to, to one client. That's a breeze. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of in my head, but- uh, <laughs> That would be easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a hectic schedule, it's full on. But also, I also didn't anticipate how much spare time you'd have, because there's only so much you can do for someone within, within a, you know, an eight hour day. Mm. You, know, you can train once or twice a day, three times if you're, you're, you're really good. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, there's, there's a lot of 
I guess, downtime. And I guess that's where I kind of struggled because I was always go, 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 living off a high pace, long hours and started to realize, oh, hang on a second, I've actually got more time here than I actually thought I would have. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a weird transition, something I had to get used to for sure. Um, and then you, because you got so much spare time, you're like, geez, is there anything else I could do? Like, am I, am I missing something? Like, because <laughs> yeah. you're obviously, it's that, it's, that, it's that handover period of just trying to get used to that, that actual, that scope of work. So yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of mind games at the start, but yeah, I seem to have it all covered now. So what about, um, so who, what you, you were training athletes back in Perth, is that yeah. right? And so was there any athlete that had any sort of similarities to the athlete of a driver that you could, you know, take and things mm. that you could use for um, developing Dan yeah good question um, to be honest like from, from a like from a fundamental like strength conditioning perspective um, I mean neck strength rugby players for sure I mean if anything they, they probably got stronger necks <laughs> if I'm gonna be completely honest with you um, so yeah probably like from a, from a neck strength capacity I'd say probably rugby players from a core capacity, like like the golfers, golf, golfers have some really good strong core and, and like um, trunk rotation. So like that was that was quite interesting to like maybe like introduce a bit of that into his training. But um, and then from a cardiovascular perspective, I, I I introduced a little bit of like what what I used to do prior as as an athlete as like in in footy, for instance. Mm. Um, so yeah, he doesn't have to like he's not he's not hitting the the football markers for sure. Like I think. I think AFL are probably one of the most like conditioned athletes in the world, like, in my opinion. Like all round strength, all, all endurance, round, all round, very impressive. Like from what I've seen and from my experience, like living in Europe now and seeing like different athletes, I start to respect them a lot more, which I always did for sure. And me playing it in a, in a very low low capacity, understood <laughs> how demanding it is. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. I did I did apply some of these fundamentals, but then over time you learn what you learn what they need more and um you, you learn the sport a little bit more than you adapt your coaching style and philosophy to to i guess daniel your 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 actual client what, what what does that look like not for daniel but just from like holistically yep a training perspective like i remember the first time i met daniel was at west coast mm-hmm. beat him in table tennis it was a big match oh wow um, <laughs> he's good at table tennis nah, he, beat, he? he beat me but oh. <laughs> if, you, if you ever fucking tell him i won but <laughs> I, I, I met him because I was in injury rehab and it was a day off and I was in there you know, rehabbing something and, and I watched him work out in the gym and it's not like AFL workouts. Like, can you explain to people like what's involved? Like, what, what's the fitness element? What's the strength element? Like, what does it actually mean to be an F1 driver? Like, how, how do you train that? Yeah, so, so from a cardio perspective, their heart rate's probably varying from like 130 to 160 beats per minute. So it's... And, and that's progressive over two hours, which is completely different to football, right? Like football is bursts of speed, like repetitive bursts of speed. So, you know, your your heart rate is going up and down, essentially. Like yeah. you're not just at a, at a even level play fields when it comes to your, your cardio capacity. So, so yes, we, we would train different from a cardio perspective and then also from a loading perspective, a lot more isometric stuff is what I do with Daniel. Um, a lot of mobility stuff because uh, as you boys saw in Belgium, how tight the cockpit is. They're yeah. really like tight. They're yeah. like, they're squeezed in, um, round, <laughs> rounded shoulders, rounded spine. So they're, they're in this like very unconventional style of like posture, like for two yeah. hours. And they're just under isometric tension the entire time. So 
their body's quite jacked up. So mm. it's one thing I noticed for Daniel that he was just like, he just had no mobility whatsoever. Hip flexors, shoulders, pecs, wrists, forearms, just... Sounds like me, really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a lot, a lot of mobility, but um, yeah, I, I think it also depends on the athlete, but for sure, like uh, in the gym from, from a strength perspective, like he's, he, he can't, his body couldn't, wouldn't be able to handle the load or capacity as a footballer would, because I think the, the physical demand Yes, it's there from a, from a G, G-force perspective, but not from, I guess, an impact perspective mm. like it would be for AFL. So you guys need to be a little bit more, I guess, stronger, more, more, more muscle density for sure, um, where Daniel doesn't really need to have, he, he can't have um, a lot of lean muscle because he has to be at a specific weight. So I need to make sure I get that, that, that portion right. Uh, I remember I asked at the track about injuries. Yeah. Um, it sounds like there'd be... Uh, you know, like built up tension industry injuries, back yeah. and disc and all that sort of, sort of obvious stuff. But like, is there impact injuries? Like, yeah. Like without there, crashing. Yeah. 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 Correct. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No accidents, but like, you know, wear and tear or for sure. Yeah. Especially this year with the porpoising. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the back, the back's copping it big oh. time just from, I guess the, the repetitive, like just vertical loading of just the porpoising, but uh, yeah, glutes and QLs a lot. Um, that's where, where you know when, when that's drive, your ass for anyone listening glutes. correct <laughs> <laughs> the buttocks yes. um, because when they're fighting with a car the, the car has like a bit of vibration when you're, when you're driving and usually that loading is through the hips and, and, and through like the posterior chain especially braking so like heavy braking circuits uh, Daniel will get super tight through like posterior chain so calves hamstring glutes and QLs that's usually where it happens and sometimes his neck if his neck is getting really loaded so like heavy heavy g-force circuits like saudi arabia and miami they can if you're not conditioned right uh you can you can probably pull up pretty down sore the neck and maybe if you're very unlucky you could probably pop an upper rib or something like that does, does that mean you, you change your training based on the track coming up yeah definitely 100 percent. and that, that that goes for everything that goes from the altitude whether we're in mexico or the the climate so coming up for instance is singapore so um i've got programmed a 10 to 14 day heat acclimation um training for him to make sure they can adapt to the heat and humidity wow yeah i want to go back on the um kind of the you know going from being a full-time you know pt back in perth Mm -hmm. 50 people to managing one person and that one person is your mate like like you said like you knew daniel before you started working with him um how, how i guess i'm intrigued like how do you manage um, being his mate and being his coach like yeah. because you, like we've seen you, you, you're together pretty much the whole time right like you, it's not like you guys are hanging out in separate rooms you're either you know helping prepare or um, doing something else for or with him yeah do you like you have to put a hat, special hat on it's like okay now I'm a mate or you guys got the understanding and was that difficult before you figure that out that's a good question because like the first time we sat down for coffee to discuss whether I want to whether sorry whether whether the role would would work in December before we accepted anything it's the first thing I asked was like look you know if I am going to come on board we are friends and the old cliche is never never do business with a with a friend right so I don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's break the mold guys Um, 2022 man yeah exactly (laughs) so that that was something I brought up and I was like look you know if I'm going to come on board there are times where you need to respect me as a coach and I put my coaching hat on and then there's times where yes of course you know you've, you want me on board because I can be a good friend to you and be that person where you just need to hang out with someone and just 
have that balance of F1 to actually just living a life. Mm. And that was something that he definitely acknowledged and was like, yes, like 100%, because that was, that was a worry of mine. I was like, okay, we're mates, but what happens if I want to like, am I going to be treated on a professional capacity the way I want to be treated as a coach? So yes, to answer your question, we talked about it, we discussed it. Um, that first year took a little bit of time to, to get that, to get that balance right. And then, uh, it, it kind of just happened. It just came across, it just came naturally, you know, like I wouldn't say we forced anything. Like I think he, he could tell from my body language, my tone uh, and the language I was speaking when I was being a coach and when I was being a mate. Yeah. And that also comes with timing. So most of the time at the track, it's, it's, it's coach, you know, if, if there is maybe, um, a difficult, um, result maybe I sit back in the room and just be, just be a mate and just be a sounding board and let him vent and say what he wants. And then it's like, okay, cool. Well, here's my perspective, you know, and as, as a friend, let's, mm. let's worry about the coaching tomorrow because t- today is just about just dealing with what's just happened. So yeah, that was definitely, uh, I'd say a challenge for sure, but, but something that, um, I guess evolved quite smoothly and naturally and yeah, didn't have, didn't have any, um, any barriers to it. You're going to wear more hats than, a physical trainer right like it's it sounds like it without me knowing that you yeah they're not physical hats either right but you you go from mate to coach but the coach isn't just going for you know training the physical element yeah um by the looks of things the mindset of f1 drivers is probably what sets them apart yeah. less than the physical aspect in, in all honesty like you, you tell me if i'm wrong but the mindset, the dedication, the commitment, mm-hmm. the dealing with adversity, but you know, pick yourself up every week. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone's winning every week like footy. Like footy, everyone gets a win every now and then. Like F1, you might be lucky to ever get a win. Some guys never win. Correct. And so, like, what what what's that like having to? You know, you, you're not a PT. This, yeah. this isn't what you're doing. You're a, like, how do you look at it? Can you can you kind of sit outside and identify that that's happening? There's just a lot of different things you're doing. One hundred percent. Like, and that's why I guess the title performance coach is because, yeah, I, I do deal f- with him from like a, a physical fitness capacity, but also like, obviously I'm taking care of his nutrition. And then from a mental capacity, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster, man, because like F1 is so, such a unique sport because there are so many parameters and contingencies out of your control that you can't control that impacts you. Mm. Right. And that, and that, that can be frustrating, right. When you can't control the uncontrollables but it impacts you and i'll give him an example like you know he could he could qualify really well um he so to, i'm thinking about singapore because we spoke about singapore so two, 2020 in singapore renault qualified really good i think it was like a p6 it was like awesome for renault and then they i think he's there was like a like a a, a regulation where your revs can't go over a certain threshold um, something happened with the car, the revs went over, he got penalized and he had to start back at the grid on Sunday. Yeah, at a track that is impossible to overtake. Right. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, hang on a second, something's happened that was out of my control, it happened with the car, but now I've been severely affected for tomorrow. So that's where, yes, the mindset comes in because it's like, hang on a second, now we need to, how do we get this athlete up after having a successful day and then just a complete flip around to, okay, now you're starting last, on a street circuit that is impossible to pass. How, how do I how do I now motivate my athlete to get in that car and actually drive with a purpose, drive to, and, and, and understand that there is another opportunity here. So yeah, th- there are some pretty deep 
conversations that we have for sure and there are times where i am the motivator yeah as, yeah. as a coach and but most of the time daniel being the professional he is he's just an ultimate competitor so there, there is plenty of self-motivation and most of the time i'm just directing him and asking the right questions and he has because he has the answers right so um yeah it, it can be a, a very emotional roller coaster sport man like i could give you plenty of examples of some absolute highs that just come with some absolute lows because it's just out of your control right you can get a puncture you can be hit turn one your race is over it's just so many things that can happen um where i, f- I feel like unlike like team sports you know it's just you play bad you cut co- you cut co- you cost you know you, you pay the price you yep. play good and, and, and you win and yeah you know like some of the uncontrollables are like obviously getting injured. Your uh, your tabs could get cut off on your second uh, strip on your helmet. And <laughs> oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> and you can't take any strips off your helmet. That could happen. I don't know. Just inside information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we need to just take a little pause, or are we going okay for time? Uh, two minutes. Let's just um, keep it keep it rolling. Okay, happy to keep going. Um, okay, that's. I mean, that's a good answer. Like, yeah. Do Do you think it's a team sport? I, I, I sat in with uh, Daniel and Lando for the um, print media stuff and I'd watched Daniel cop it from pillar to post both from Australia and then over there I was like I just I didn't feel bad for him that's what the sport's about but I was like I'm going to turn the heat up on Lando a little bit here so I asked Lando after his comments you know about Daniel but it's not really about Lando but like is it a team sport like is, is that what this is I, you hear we and our and us yep. and the team and yep. You know, uh, um, Lando puts a toe together for Daniel to help him. You know, go faster in qualifying. Like there are team elements, but I don't know. Looking in, I, I don't see it as much of a team sport, to be honest. Yeah. What it, do you think? Uh, it, it's a tough one. Like f- for me, it, it has to be a team sport because you know, without <laughs> Daniel can't finish a race without a team, right? He's yeah. got he's got mechanics that that do a pit stop for him. He's got his race engineer that provides him with tr- like a tremendous amount of information. And he's also got mechanics that build the car for him, right? So, so that's it, his team. That's yeah. his team, right? And so, like, yeah, there is a, a big, big element of team. And I guess you could argue on race day, on Sunday, when he's in the cockpit and he's by himself with a helmet on, you could probably argue if you're Daniel, it doesn't feel like a team sport. Like, mm. if, you're the, if you're that driver, it probably does feel like an individual sport at that moment on the Sunday. But I think throughout the weekend, you can definitely say that it's, a, it's definitely a team sport. Yeah, between the drivers, it's not a team. I, I, again, you don't have to come out and say that. Oh, there's definitely, there's definitely, there's definitely a competition edge, right? Com- we don't have to edge. say, yeah, like Lando yeah. and Daniel, but like, I don't know, Lewis and Valtteri from me, you know, like that. Back when both of Mercedes, like, they're not a team, in my opinion, because because of how it's wired. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's like they are there to win and succeed. And yeah. yes, you can work together, mm-hmm. but in the end, they're competing against each other. You know, in a race. Yeah. Like, and that's that's what you're doing. Everyone's there to exist to win the race. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it's just it's just a very unique sport. I think there's not many that's like that. That you have to no. work together as a team, but you're not a team. It's, yeah. You have to work together as a team, but your teammate is also your yeah. your your gut your gut your gauge, right? Because you have the same car. There's just like so, so, so it's not, the only he's the only guy you can really measure your performance off accurately. Yeah, that's which right. is why there is a competitive edge like nature there between teammates, but there is also definitely an element of okay, we need to, we need to work together now because we may be trying to get more points than let's say like this year McLaren's fighting against Alpine for the fourth spot yes. so you know there's a bit of tactical stuff going on there it's like, hang on a second let's just work together to make sure that we can yes. beat the Alpines as such um, well you must be sitting back having a few drinks back in the thing <laughs> like uh, we, 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 you guys shared the schedule which was great 
there's no gaps. Like, not, 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 there's not a, it, 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 it surprised me there wasn't even a like 30 minute rest. Like, go sit in your room and shut up. It's a coach's nightmare. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's an ongoing battle for me as a coach to try and weasel more time for Daniel to, like you say, rest because there are marketing obligations. There are sponsor obligations from McLaren's side that they have to meet with partners and brands. Yes. Um, so, yes, unfortunately, Daniel is in the middle of that and he has to, you know, do paddock club meet and greets, sponsor meet and greets. Um, and it is crazy, mate. Like you, like you said, like on a Sunday race day, you know, I, I remember like even just looking like looking from the outside in, you know, watching watching you boys, for example, rock up at, uh, on game day at the stadium, maybe three hours, two and a half hours before, and you're just sitting there with your AirPods on and just getting a rub down, get yourself strapped up, yeah. have a bit of a walk around, just chill, right? Where <laughs> we get to the track at like 10 a.m., we'll have breakfast, so I'm with him for about half an hour, then I don't see him from that 10.30 till about 1.30. So he's, he's away for three hours in engineering meeting, strategy meeting, paddock club meet and greets, probably sit, you know, meet, meeting some sponsors or whatnot. Sit down with media. Like a- yeah, sit down with me, and then, and then all of a sudden he's with me at 1.30 and we get 30, 35 minutes to warm up, mm. and then we straight on the track. And, and also, um, like, so we were just at Spa, and I don't know if it's like this at every race, but it's quite a walk from the um, the car yeah. to back to like the, the I don't know do you guys call them motorhomes because they're we, way better than we just motorhome. call it hospitality hospitality yeah so you're getting stopped by fans constantly and, and you know you can see when the drivers had enough and they just jog because like they're just getting there's no way they could walk from one place to another without yeah. being stopped yeah so there's also that like is it every race that sort of walk where you're covered with fans yeah unfortunately like I say unfortunately so I'm, it's great that the fans get to have that experience of being in the paddock because you know the paddock club, the paddock tickets aren't cheap, right? So, yeah. you know, people are forking out a lot of money so that they want the ultimate experience. And I personally do believe they get the ultimate experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's literally amazing. walking in a paddock with all the drivers. Like, the access is insane. Like, yeah. for Daniel to to jump out of a car on the grid and have like again more people on the grid that have grid access. The grid's full of like yep. fans or you know VIPs that can interact with you before you're jumping in a car. Like it's almost like walking out on a footy field and like 10 minutes before bounce down, there's like people just like trying to get a photo with 100%. you. Like, it, 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 can, it's so, it can so easily distract you, right? Because yep. like you're trying to get in your flow state. You're trying to get into that, that competitive state that you've just like, it takes time to build into that, right? From, from the moment that you step on into the, onto the track, right? From the moment you put your AirPods in and you start listening to your music, these are all anchors towards like your your state that you need to be in before game day, right? Mm. It's a serious thing. It's what he's getting paid to do. And then you can you can have someone come over and jump in front of you and I want a photo or start talking to you and it's just it can throw you. Yeah. So it's 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 crazy like how I've had to try and handle that and him him handle that. Cause yeah, like he said, there's so like I said earlier um, in the podcast is there's just so many distractions because there's just it's just so open, which is amazing from a from an experience for for um I guess for a person who's buying those tickets, but for us, it's there are some challenges. It would be, it's a good analogy, but I think it's worse than that. It would be like me or someone on the AFL field on the ground before the bounce on your opponent and just have like some kids come us for a signature yeah. or a selfie. Yeah. And you kind of got to like step away from your opponent that you're about to go to war with yeah. and just go, yeah, no worries, kids, like all good. And then I oh, actually, I better go back and focus. Like, that's the biggest thing I've picked up being here is like, it's 
again, like some of the stuff you probably can't say or speak to, but like I'll tell you right now, it's ridiculous. Like the, <laughs> oh mate, it's just because it's a mental sport. Yeah. Like there's a physical nature, obviously. Like and it's like yeah. life and death. As yeah. Well. But like the start Correct. though, for instance, yeah. is so mental. Yeah. Like there's reaction times and which is your mind. Yeah, and, and you, I don't have to you, tell you this. Well, you, but you can't make a mistake. Like, yeah. it's, it's literally two hours of full focus. Like, we all do respect to like you know like field games like rugby, football. If if the ball's in the other side of the, the oval, you do get a bit of a breather just to you know if you, just to unwind a little bit. Like yes. you're on, you're on your opponent, but if there's like a bounce down or something, you get you get that five ten seconds just to okay, just chill out a bit, reset, reset yeah. reframe. But you, you can't do that in, in in a car. So like. As a coach, you want him to be fresh, sharp, ready to go off the start line, as you said. And being being very, very honest, there's been races where he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm tired." Like before even a race, because it's like just done so much before a race, which is crazy. Like they ask so much of them. Like from Thursday, you know, they're starting their media day on Thursday for a race on a Sunday. Yeah. And and they're you know they're at the track 14 hours a day from from Friday to Saturday, and then race day Sunday. They ask so much of these drivers and then they ask them to perform at their absolute best for two hours with full focus. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. And, and you know what? They nail it. So it, it makes it even more impressive. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. What about for you, um, the lifestyle, the mm-hmm. to travel, you know, the fame, the money, like, <laughs> again, external observation. What is the lifestyle like for you? Not, not Daniel, not, not anyone yeah. like... What's it like? Is it what you thought you'd signed up for? Uh, a lot more traveling than I thought, um, for sure. You're always on the road. You feel like a bit of a nomad because you're always living out of a suitcase. First year, I struggled, definitely, because I was a guy that was so set in my routine of waking up every morning at like 5 a.m., you know, 6 a.m. client, and then I was just, I was just so regimented with my calendar because I had to. Yes. Or else I just couldn't fit my clients in. So then all of a sudden, you're just, you know, you're... <laughs> You're in Australia one week, then you're in Bahrain the next, and then you're in Shanghai. Um, you're you're just you're jet lagged. Um, you got n- no routine of like every day's different of when you have to be at the track. So you're like, okay, when do I train? Or and sometimes you wake up and you want to train, and you put a barbell on your back, and it feels like a hundred kilos, but you've only got twenty kilos. <laughs> so you're like, you're like, okay, I'm fatigued. I probably shouldn't work out today. So that that was a big struggle for me, and I, I got I got a little bit homesick. I reckon after the third race. Um, which I was a bit I was a bit surprised about because I was you know I was quite I was quite excited about this this lifestyle this experience but then I realised like okay I've been hit pretty quick with a new lifestyle and it's taken me a while to adjust mm. but um but 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 like anything in life the, the more you do something the, the more you find more efficient ways how 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 it can work and you know for instance like now we're we're in a triple header and we you know we get to come to to Amsterdam for three days and just really enjoy it before a race and little things like that I think is definitely a big big perk of the job. But I always say, like, you know, you said, you know, money, fame, lifestyle, traveling everywhere. Like, I, I, I do say, like, whatever looks amazing on the outside, there's always an equal bigger sacrifice behind it, hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that, that and you know, you probably could relate to that as, like, you know, people probably, a fan probably would look at you playing football and go, oh, man, that's the dream. But they don't know your sacrifices that you've made to get to where you were. Hmm. So that's something I always like to tell people is like just remember that like, like yes our lifestyle looks amazing but they're also just, just as big as sacrifices that we make um, whether it's you know being away from family being away from loved ones um, not seeing your friends like not having a social life at times yes so yeah like do, I'm not trying to undersell it for sure like <laughs> no. I, I don't think it would suit everyone is what I'm saying yeah yeah how does um, with your life work with um, 
uh, light jet lag and mm-hmm. changing time zones constantly. So I, I struggled for like a two days just flying over here to Europe, but you're doing it every like week, every second week almost. Yeah. yeah so there's a lot to consider. Gen- generally speaking, it takes one day to accustom to one hour time difference. So if you're going from Perth to here, I think it's six hour time difference. Yep. So it'll take you six days to fully adjust essentially. Yeah. Right. So that's the golden rule. So in a perfect world, three days before you fly out, Dan, I would say, okay, we're going to adjust your clock, your sleeping clock by one hour. And then the next day, another hour and the next day, another hour. So you're already adjusting your clock prior to landing in your new destination. Yeah. Right. So that's a little technique that we'd use. Um, light exposure is a big one. So like, you know, making sure that, you know, tricking your circadian rhythm of when you want to be up and when you want to be asleep. Uh, ca- caffeine timing is another big one. Uh, exercise timing and then obviously your meals timing. So there's a lot to consider within the realm of jet lag. Yeah. Um, took us, probably took me about a year and a half to really nail with Daniel and, and, and talking to some other professionals around jet lag because I noticed there were some particular races around the calendar that we found very tough and where Daniel was getting a little bit sick. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors to, to consider. Um, a little a little cheat for you, we use, a, we use an app called Time Shifter, which is developed by some PhD students, uh, I think from Oxford. Sorry if that is wrong. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a brilliant app. You put in your flight details and it'll just give you a complete full like schedule breakdown of like your light exposure caffeine timing exercise when Love you should that. go to bed like a literally a full jet lag protocol wow amazing so i use that a little bit too <laughs> <laughs> that's like great all the michael italiano uh cheat cheat shorts here that's good <laughs> um what about uh the other trainers that you that are so does every driver have essentially like a michael italiano Correct. equivalent yeah so do you guys like obviously you're competing against one another do mm-hmm. you do you still share stuff and help each other out or is it like you know trade secrets all around yeah i think i think there's a mutual there's a bit of mutual respect from that from that side because at the end of the day like this sport's all about one percent you know teams are spending millions and millions of dollars to find one tenth right yeah. and if we can find something as a coach to optimize our driver's performance it, it would probably be very uh very uneducated of us to, to share that with the entire the entire paddock so no, we, we don't we don't discuss like what we're doing with our with our drivers for sure, but we will we'll discuss like our general training, our general interest, because at the end of the day we all have we all have the same passion, right? So um, I get along with everyone, all the coaches in the paddock. I have a very good relationship with all the coaches. Um, love talking to them. Most of the time, every time you're in a, in a hotel gym, it's all the coaches in there. So <laughs> have a nice little S and C party most of the time. <laughs> so it's actually a pretty good vibe, you know and and it is it is a quite nice like tight community when you know if you have a good race you do get a nice nice dms from them congratulating them and, and, and vice versa like you're always happy to see i guess your your, your other peers like succeed right mm. so um yeah we're, we're definitely tighter than what people may think even though we're in different teams and have different drivers but um yeah i think we definitely i from my own experience i definitely haven't spoken about anything performance wise from a da- from daniel with other coaches except this app now they're all, they're all going to be listening to this podcast and be like, thank you we needed that app. Uh, yeah shit. <laughs> <laughs> what's winning a race like uh, oh, as a as a team as i man. said it's not a team sport but like you guys what's it's that dance like? team man it's so good because like w- one thing that i missed was like li- like i got I'm going to say forced into retirement because I had to obviously go to this job in 2018. And uh, that competitive edge in me, I was missing it. Huh. But 
honestly, I, I feel like I'm competing every race. Like, yes, I'm in the garage watching Daniel, but there's so much involved. There's so much involvement. Like, I feel like I'm racing with him. And when he won, it honestly, like, I can only imagine what it felt like for him because, you know, what the energy I had, it, it felt amazing. It literally felt like I won a Grand Prix. Like, uh, and it came earlier than expected. It literally was my third race, Shanghai. <laughs> it was crazy. You were um, like, yeah, it's like big chains around the net, walking through the paint. That's right. Yeah, uh, everyone on here. Man, it was, it was nuts. Like he come from P6 and he just overtook the, the entire field. Like, sorry, from, he overtook five other cars. Um, wasn't expected because at that time, Ferrari and Mercedes were the most clear fast cars um, in 2018. So again a blur because i was like hang on a second i just like my third race in he's won a race like this is crazy so and then two races later he wins monaco so literally my first six races he won two races <laughs> and i guess i guess that's where i look back now and probably realize i probably didn't appreciate the moment enough because here i was i was like okay won two of the first six races i think he was equal on top of the championship then with lewis and seb uh seb racing with ferrari at the time and i just thought it was just going to keep coming Mm. right because I was like this is just this like we had the car we had the, we had the driver next thing you know three and a half years later you know we, we celebrate Monza's win last year 2021 yeah. so looking back it's something I'm like you know what I've never taken a, a win for granted because like you said like a, a lot of things have to align in this sport to be successful it's not about just being a good driver um, so yeah had, a, had some early success and now I think over the time I've, I've learned to really really appreciate those moments what happens what happens when a driver wins the race is there like is there a party or is it like I'm going to say depends so for instance uh, I'll, I'll give you an example so um, Shanghai when he won we had a flight that night back to, <laughs> back to London so we're literally rushing out of the track straight to the airport jumped on a plane didn't even get time to celebrate to a point where like he got out of his seat and like poured me a wine and he's like cheers me cheers me on the flight and he's like good job <laughs> so that was that celebration but then come come monaco we uh monday we, we ripped it up at a, at a beach bar all day all night so oh, that was that yeah. was pretty special that's like that sounds like grand final type areas we yeah. at monaco as well yeah I mean, yeah and where it is yep dan has a house there had a house there like kind of yeah, he lives there yeah right and so it's like almost home away from home <laughs> beach club I mean that sounds pretty fun yeah it, it's definitely for me like the most prestigious race to win and yeah. you feel that when you're there and my so my first Monaco like I, I, know, I know I keep saying it's like a broken record but I literally was on cloud nine I was like what is going on here and not only that like he polled so he was he was in P1 and I've, I never forget I've literally walked on the grid with like my grid bag and his helmet and I've just looked up and it's like Tom Brady standing on our grid uh, <laughs> Bella Hadid and Dan Carter from the All Blacks I'm just like, all right, focus, Michael, focus, Michael. He's almost ready. And I'm like, but I want a picture. <laughs> Is this unprofessional if I ask for a picture? Did you get one? No, I didn't. <laughs> I felt really bad. I was like, I need to be professional here. So like, here I am trying to like, get like a coaching speech ready for Daniel, like be calm. But then I've got like these, these, these superstars, like yeah, Tom Brady, like standing right in the grid. He's like, good luck, man. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Tom. If he wins, I taught him everything he knows. Yeah. So I'm the only reason. Yeah. So that was just, that was very, I, I won't ever forget that memory for sure. Like being pole, you know, with those guys and just, just like the, the scenery and, and the way he nailed it was just, I could honestly say it was a perfect weekend. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left for European back chat shuts down because we're you know, managing cameras here. So I want to ask you a couple more before we finish up. Um, uh, what's something people wouldn't know about what you do? What, what, what is something you can give insight to our back chat listeners and watchers? Something that 
you think people wouldn't know? Maybe there's a lot of things, but about what you do. I I think what people may not know is that it actually can be a a very lonely like life at times for sure because there is a lot of transit to and from airports um and then there's a lot of time where you're just in a hotel room by yourself right especially if like daniel's off doing some like marketing commitments or whatnot like there are times where you you are by yourself a lot so um yeah it, it can be a little bit of a lonely life at times i think people like looking in they obviously just see a grand prix and they just see like this busy like hectic life and it is but in between it it can be quite lonely at times so making sure that like if you are considering doing something like this or or trying to get into motorsport i think uh it's worth understanding like having your own hobbies to make sure you keep yourself (laughs) occupied when uh when you are i guess like alone um what else i'm gonna say um, oh, so, so I used to do Daniel's laundry a lot. Maybe people didn't know that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. What do you mean? Because oh, obviously every session he takes off his racing suit and it's just so smelly. And look, to, to his credit, most of the time he does put it in the laundry bag, but most of the time he just leaves it on the floor. So I have that amazing job of picking up the most sweaty so <laughs> racing. Just wet. It is literally just wet. <laughs> and putting it in the laundry bag and I'm like, oh, yep, okay. Well, are you putting it in the machine and... Yeah. Uh, also, no, so Omo and- in 2018 I did uh, I'm, I'm very lucky in McLaren now I just put them in some bags and they sort it out for me but uh, but yeah so that's probably something that's that people right. didn't really know that's unreal yeah I, I was doing his laundry at times um, what else I think that I think that's yeah that's good those, those two points I think is enough yeah, yeah. Well, what's, what's this year been like um, you know as we're coming over sort of we've been in a dam and sort of you know, mm-hmm. all around this for a while, coming over to Europe, and then it's sort of getting closer. So a lot of talk about this whole Piastri Weber shit show, right? That's going on. What's what's like? What's what's this year been like um, in inside? You know, the locker room, effectively. Like, yeah, f- for you, it's been difficult. Yeah, of course, right? Because you know the results don't add up to the effort that we're putting in, mm. right? I think that's always going to be frustrating as an athlete and and the, and the team around him is like when you know you're putting in hard work and, and you're focused and you're focusing on the process and you, you, you're working on the stuff that, that matters and, and you are going down the right direction and the results don't align, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it can suck at times, right? Because that's technically what, like, that's, that's sometimes, like, not all the time how you measure your performances, for sure, but results is a big, big, like, factor in how you measure, I guess, your performance. Um, we don't try and focus too much on results because I always say like results is like a, it, it comes with like the process. So just focus on the process and the results is like a precursor of that. Um, so yeah, it has been difficult at times for sure. Like Daniel has high high standards of himself and so he should be. He's an amazing driver. He's super quick. Um, and that's because he's, and he's built that over over his, over you know, his racing career because he's had amazing results. He's, he's talented. So, you know, I always talk about like having that pressure is just like as a privilege to a point where it's like okay well yeah there's, there's more maybe there's more pressure on Daniel because he's not performing it's because they're because people expect him to perform because he is good right he's freaking good so like mm. take that pressure to privilege because if you didn't have the pressure it's not like what you have isn't worthy enough like you know what I mean so yeah just just a bit of different reinforcing and and, and, and understanding that okay like sometimes in, a, in an athlete's career you are going to have a bit of a roller coaster right and it's more so like how you respond to that that really like will help you grow and it's probably where your biggest growth comes from do you know what i mean like yeah. that, that that real low point so 
yeah, it's it's been disappointing, but it's also excited me because I'm like, okay, let's 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 prove everyone wrong and get out of that and 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 show them where Daniel's at because I've got full belief in the guy. Like, the guys, the guy can drive, man. Well, so. that's that's what I was going to ask. Was like, there's a lot of people say, oh, you know, he's lost his touch, he's broken, man, and you know, uh, I I do watch the coverage without. I don't. I'm no F1 expert. You know, I I think I'm maybe more of an expert in terms of like the mindset side of things and mm-hmm. the athlete side of things. Um, you made the comment, he made the comment in the, in the press conference that um, it doesn't really see it as something that's difficult. Like if he wants to do, if he wants to do it, he will. Yeah. Like if I, if, if I want to do it, I mm-hmm. will. Is that how you say it? Yeah. For, you probably listen to more media than me. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, to well, be honest, yeah. I don't, I don't read any media. I don't, I, I it's more about his mindset less about the media I, to be yeah. honest you put the media in the bin like, I hate the shit too so. the good thing is like with his mindset like we always say like ignore the white noise in the background because like, if because if, if you focus on the wrong things like it's it's not going to it's not going to do you any good it's, there's, there's no resourceful thing that comes from reading comments about what people think of you like because at the end of the day it doesn't matter I think his mindset is just so resilient because he's over time over the years being you know he's, he's a very experienced guy I think he's been on the circuit for like 16 years now, right? So like- <laughs> He's yeah. old. Yeah, he's old. So like he's very experienced when it comes to like a resilient mindset and actually blocking out the external environment and not letting that environment like dictate where his head goes from a from an athlete's perspective. So he's very strong in that, in that retrospect. So fortunately as a coach, like, yeah, there might be a, a few little cues here and there that I need to remind him about, but he's got that pretty well sussed. And I think that just comes from maturity and, and the type of athlete and person he is. Um, I want to get towards the end and talk about this, michaelitaliano.com. Hey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you speak about you've got time away when you're yeah. by yourself. You've, by the looks of it, you tell me about it. You've built something pretty special over there. You can tell Backshot listeners about what you're doing with the you know global online fitness platform effectively, with yeah. how you're running that and how that goes with coaching an f1 driver and you got a business on the side too yeah and, and it kind of if, if it's on the side i don't, I don't know no it is it is yeah. and, and you're right and it kind of correlates with everything i've said in this podcast is like i had all this time on my on my hands and i was like you know what i kind of miss training 40 50 people right i i, I want to like share my knowledge and, and help more people because that was the, the most priceless thing about moving transitioning as a coach is i just i found it so rewarding I loved it. So that was the idea behind, you know, creating an online fitness platform. And that was like my side little hustle where, like I said, at, at times F1 can be a bit of an emotional roller coaster. That was like my, that was my work-life balance. Where I was like, okay, I can steer away from F1 and work on this. And this is another little passion of mine. And that kind of helped me from a personal level, like just balance my, my overthinking of Formula One and, and, and how I can obviously be a better coach. So yeah, I've created an online platform where you know people can sign up from a subscription perspective and you know get online programs from me, um, classes, nutritional advice, and uh, man, it's going great. You know, like we've we're in like forty countries now. Wow, really so cool. good. Got a pretty sick global audience, and it's uh, man, I'm loving it. I'm loving that I can able to help like thousands of people around the world now. Like it's like share more knowledge more, rather than just a one athlete. I can share with other people and. Yeah, it's it is really cool. Like the testimonials you get sent to you randomly of like how you've helped people. Like for me, it's just it's like I said, it's priceless. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it looks it looks great. Yeah, good so. website actually. Dan, Thanks, Dan was saying he's going to really, sign you up. Really to did your yeah. homework. I'm going to sign up. Yeah, absolutely. I saw Nick Reed as a um, testimonial. Oh, down yeah, there you go. Thought we might be able to get Will Schofield down on the slider down there. There you go. <laughs> got 
If Nick Reed is going to absolutely love that you plugged his name. Oh, in. Oh, I know, mate. I know. I know he is. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm fearful of running out in the middle of a great question or a great chat. So I think on michaelitaliano.com, um, we'll finish it there. We appreciate how generous you've been with your time, looking after us in Belgium and now Netherlands. You're welcome. Um, it's been a great chat, mate. Have you had fun on back chat? I have. You boys are great. Thank I'll talk you. to you a lot more. Okay. Well, we're happy to. I, I happy reckon to we've got you. time for one more because I want. I want to. I want you to ask him. I want you to put a bit of pressure on 2018. Ah, because okay. there's, a yeah, tape, right. there's a bit of tape left. Okay, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, good. Is. we're good. We're good. We're yep. good. I'm going to thank our sponsors now in okay. case it runs out because I'd like to thank. And we need it. We need a big roll call of this stuff. Yeah. Jesus, I'll see if I can do it. I'll see if I can do it without looking. We are in Europe. Backchat Europe. Thanks to Ko Sports. Thanks to Street X. Thanks to Whippersnapper Distillery, Shelter Brewing Co., Blue Bet, Margaret River Roasting Co., Leadable Cameras, and of course, Dean Bradley Real Estate. Absolutely nails it. We've sat here with Michael Italiano, F1 Performance Coach, Will Schofield, Dan Const, Michael Italiano to finish the podcast. That was impressive, wasn't it? 2018. Yeah. First year on the circuit, in the paddy. Big moment for you again. Let's bring it back to me, though. This is my podcast. <laughs> 2018 Premiership, mate. Are you a West Coast fan? So, I'm a Fremantle fan. Holy uh, shit. Flag because, mantle. Because my, my father is born and bred from Fremantle, so I got, grown, I got brought up um, barracking for Fremantle. But I will honestly say, and uh, if you don't believe me, you can. There, are foot, there is footage of us in Russia. Believe me, I've watched it. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. So let's so, see what he says. So yes. I was, I was sitting next to Daniel, and I, and I was hoping that that, that Eagles won. Were you though? Yeah. Look, I've, no. Mate, what, over mate, Collingwood. I, I don't know, man. I've seen the vision. Just like Daniel, Daniel looks like he's just won an F one race. You look like a Fremantle fan watching West Coast win the Premiership, <laughs> yeah. and the fact that you're a Fremantle fan, mate. I could, I, I watched it. I said. I don't know the answer to this. I bet you he doesn't go for yeah, West Coast. I was like, I why, saw you, why isn't Michael up and about? Dan's, oh, okay, a, Dan's but, a very big West Coast fan. I'm not a West Coast so, fan. So, but the thing is, as a neutral supporter, like yes. I loved the game. Because yes. as, as a neutral supporter, you just want a good game. Yes. So when Collingwood went five, six goals up in the first quarter, I was cursing him. I was, like, oh, Jesus. Going I was like, I just want a good game. And then obviously you got the good game. Sheedy kicked the winner, who actually met um, two two weeks ago in a race. Yeah, he was here, right? Absolute yeah. legend, by the way. Yeah, um, loved him. Um, no, no, I was hundred percent happy. Like one hundred percent. I even went to the prelim, and again, disappointed because Eagles smoked um, Melbourne. Oh, but like, oh, Melbourne, right. but yeah, no, I was, I was like, okay. again, if if I didn't want him to win, I wouldn't have went. I wouldn't what, have went to there. What, what day was it? Like, because it was a it was a Saturday. You were in Russia. It was, Saturday, it was early Saturday morning. Saturday. So I think it was like seven thirty in the or probably not not that, that early. But all I remember is because you watched the whole thing, right? So we spoke to the. How did you get that into the schedule? Like knowing your schedule, how did you get like three yeah. hours into a schedule? So we spoke to the Sky Boys Friday night. And I think two or three of them were Aussie lads. Uh, and they were like, yeah, we've already sussed out how to get the game. One of them was a Collingwood fan. Some illegal stream into yeah. the yeah. F1. So they had, like, they had like a, like a sky like... <laughs> Satellite No, they had like a, they had like a, like a, tin, a tin house like where they had like all their like comm stuff. So we literally like snuck into the track when it was like not even open yet. And like <laughs> the boy, three of them were there with like takeaway coffees. And I'm like, coffees? It's like freezing cold. And we sat there and watched the first quarter. And then eventually when the track opened, we walked into hospitality. And that's, that's when we watched it in hospitality. And that's when all the cameras came out because DR was carrying yeah. on like a proper Pork West Coast fan. <laughs> um, no, as you would, right? If you want, yes. want a flag. And 
Um, yes, I, f- I forgot. Yeah, we're watching you in Russia. That's yeah, very good. good. Mm. Um, we watched the footage. That was great. I do hope Flagman will get it done. Big supporters of Freeman on this podcast. Like I said, really? Not, nice. I'm not a West Coast fan. I'm a Geelong boy. So, and I'm not really a Geelong boy either. And haven't yeah. been in the system. It'd be like Dan coming out of F1 and being like, "What team do you support?" I bet you he doesn't like go for a team. He's been doing it for so long. Yeah. Like, I don't support anyone. Yeah. But I love good footy. So Fremantle this year, flag mantle, mate. I don't know. Oh, flag mantle. Oh, yeah. Don't tell me you haven't heard flag mantle, mate. This is your year this year, mate. No, come on. I mean, look, I, I follow it, but uh, they finished fifth, right? Yeah. So, I mean, look. If, we, can, if, we, can, we can watch the uh, elimination final together this weekend. Mm. Yeah, we're let's play, do it. We're playing the Bulldogs. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. I've actually got a few friends in Bulldogs too, so that's a bit of a tough one because yes. I do. i got some really nice, good, cool friends in Bulldogs. I actually want them to do well too, but. Look, it off flag mantle. Yeah, come on. No, no, look. I, I have my team, but like. Yeah, like being being a, a kid from Perth, like yes, growing up, I think you you go through that 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 stereotype of making sure that you dislike the Eagles. But I don't know. As I grew up, I, I started to appreciate. No, no, like if if one of the state teams win, like that's a win, right? Yes. So, but I know you probably don't get sold because my footage didn't show how excited I was. <laughs> Mate, we're done. Let's finish it off oh. audio. It's all right. Yep. Um, YouTube's lost the back end of this. This is the 2018 Premiership footy, mate. Is there it? There you go. Yeah, so well, we, good. I mean, I mean, it's just one that we all, all got, but I thought yeah, I'd nice. bring it over here. We, we, uh, we need to have a kick around in the paddock a bit. Mate, for uh, sure. This weekend, right? I'm going to stitch up some of your friends. I've actually still got the footage of you shanking it with your... Uh Shanking the little one from last with week. With my um, RMs on? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Perfect. You've saved that for me? <laughs> okay. Perfect. Very good. All right. Done and dusted. Back chat. Michael Italiano. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you next week. Thanks, lads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.